0: Alright, well once again this is day three, for us obviously it's day one, but in general the way we do this with the public is this is day three. It's kind of a, we, we do a non-stop five or six day program, whatever the you know, area, whatever works out in that particular area. Um, but for us, basically I think we're going to have them all done tomorrow, right? Today and tomorrow, um, but this is day number three. Well, our general, the tenor, the main theme of the message is never forget that thoughts work out actions, repeated actions, form habits, and habits form what? Character. Character, right? Very simple. And the reality is is that the main reason people cannot change things in their life is that they try to change the behavior rather than the cause, and the cause is the what? The thoughts. You got it. So the thoughts are the cause of everything that basically uh, transpires from us, right? Uh, Jesus talked about this. He talked about the fact that things don't... It's not necessarily what goes into the body. It's what comes out of the body because it springs from the heart, Jesus talked about. So what is the cause? Simply the cause is your thoughts. We discovered that the frontal lobe is the seat of spirituality, morality, and the will and we've looked at some scientific case studies that testify that they prove these things. Another one that we're going to look at now is a baby. A baby named Baby GK who had frontal lobe damage As a newborn and the results, I mean, we've had, I I mean, I can think of off the top of my head, at least one person who came to to our seminars and he had frontal lobe damage. His was from a car accident. This baby was, um, I don't know if the child was dropped, what happened, but baby GK had frontal lobe damage. Baby GK suffered bilateral frontal lobe damage in the first seven days of his life. From childhood to age 31, he had the typical characteristics of someone who had experienced frontal lobe damage. Now what are the typical characteristics? We read about them here. Well, that child did not respond well to parental discipline. Baby GK always sought gratification of his immediate needs. He never developed adequate friendships. He blamed his difficulties on others. He was irresponsible and tended to wander, was influenced by other deviant children, and was sexually promiscuous. Now, I don't know about you, but when I look at the typical young person in America today, now this may be a different group than a typical American young person, but when I look at a typical American young person, this list would fit about perfectly your average young American, right? Not just, you know, a child in the seven, first seven days of life that has bilateral frontal lobe damage. The reality is, is young people are walking around with impaired frontal lobes, much of it from their upbringing and from the things around them in life, whether it's the things they're taking into their bodies through what they're eating, like I did, just eating junk food continually, whether what they're watching on television, several different things, music, whatever it may be. But this is the typical picture of a young person today, which means they have impaired frontal lobes. We see it here that the effects of a compromised frontal lobe are the impairment of moral principle, social impairment or loss of love for family, lack of foresight, Abstract reasoning is impaired, mathematical understanding is diminished, you have a loss of empathy and a lack of restraint. Now these are some of the effects of having a compromised frontal lobe. And the reality is the purpose. As Christians, we want to have as strong as possible frontal lobes. We can actually, now I talked about the fact that anyone under the age of 25, your frontal lobe is still developing. Up until about maybe age 25 to 30, your frontal lobe is still developing. There is good news, once again, i got to be very clear. There is good news for those of us who are older than that, who our frontal lobes may not be growing. And I'm going to talk more about that on how brain plasticity, that the brain can actually change at any area in life for the better if you are willing to make the effort of strengthening your brain. You don't have to give up just because you're over 25 and you didn't live the best you know, below that age. But nevertheless, these are some of the effects of a cr- compromised frontal lobe. We've talked about several different things. We, we asked the question, you know, uh, what do we do with traps? We talked about some quick, simple things. We talked about walking, this is by way of review. We talked about deep breathing, how important it is to get adequate amounts of oxygen to the organs of the body, especially to the brain. Very, very important. We talked about the importance of drinking water, adequate amounts of water. Does anybody remember how much water we're supposed to drink a day? Half your body weight in ounces. Once again, like Fadi said, would it make sense for a four-year-old child, you know, who's this big, I don't know how big they're, that big, to to drink the same amount as a 300-pound man? Each of them need their eight glasses of water, right? I mean, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense at all. And so, obviously, it should be more in line with how big your body is, and, you know, half your body weight in ounces. So if if you weigh 300, you drink 150. If you weigh 100 pounds, you're kind of a little lady, you drink... 50 ounces, very simple, right? So then also, the most important thing out of these things is to claim Bible promises, but not just claim them like a magic trick, but actually to, not like abracadabra, but rather to claim them and then speak to God, talk with God in prayer, engaging the frontal lobe. In that process, when you are praying with God as to a friend, you are actually engaging your frontal lobe and strengthening your frontal lobe amazing scientific things are being discovered through these very things. I'm going to share more with you uh, as we go on with these meetings. Now, we talked about having a goal list, 10 things, at least 10 things you want to do, some short-term, some long-term. And Make sure to do that. It's a very important thing. I would really encourage you, just for when times get difficult, you at least, you're getting your mind off the immediate uh, gratification, and you're looking to delayed gratification. Now, this is just part of our character that God wants to give us. That's right. Okay. Whoops. I'm sorry, little lady. It's Fadia's turn. she's going to come forward now. I just kind of killed it, so
1: Oh yeah. about these what to do with traps, I just wanted to ask, how many have already been trying some of them? Yeah, cool. Uh, I know we went for a walk after lunch, so that was nice. But it's always nice to hear if somebody's been trying to implement something right away, even though it's the first day. So anyway, yeah, we'll go on. Um, Like Chad said, the goal list, when you're feeling the craving coming on, you should have that list available so you can go to it. Uh, You know, like let's say you're wanting to, you're just tempted by something. Have that list out. Go and you know, like he said, clean the kitchen sink, clean your closet, start writing that chapter in the book that you've been wanting to write. Whatever it is you have to do, get up and start doing the thing on the list because then you occupy your time better. Um, All right, back to the frontal lobe killers. We talked about that drugs, lack of use, certain kinds of music, head injuries, all of that cause and lack of nutrition. We're going to go into a little bit of um, the drugs that cause damage. So legal drugs that cause damage, alcohol, okay, we're familiar with that, caffeine and nicotine. And you realize these are all legal drugs that cause this thing, um, this frontal lobe damage. Alcohol, we don't realize it. I don't know what it is here, but in Illinois, where we used to live, we're in South Dakota now, but in Illinois, the blood alcohol level that you can have and still drive is 0.08. Is it here as well? Okay. So, okay, so 0.08 is, is the amount. If you get caught, anything above that, you know, you're in trouble. But the thing is, is you don't realize that even that amount... Um, is enough to alter your ability to make decisions okay and people don't realize that we just go by some state standard and think that that's good enough but it's not it's not for people who are preparing to meet their lord right it's not for people who are trying to have a mind that is the mind of christ and so let's say you're trying to maneuver through this intersection and you think oh i can handle it i can do it i can make that light and you don't you know and then you cause trouble for somebody and uh, you'll hear later about how that's affected my life personally and then um also you look at things like uh, babylon right the big kingdom of babylon it took this big major uh world empire you know and god had said that a kingdom inferior to you is going to take over how is a kingdom inferior going to take over it took one night of drunkenness to take down a whole major world empire one night is all it takes and and you think how on earth but that's what happened one night of drunkenness one night of of foolishness can take away your whole future you know one night of well it it wouldn't hurt and especially those who sit where we're sitting with the, the wisdom that God's given us. Um the the you know, um how's it go? You're judged according to the knowledge you know, you know? And it literally, so I I have friend after friend tell me that like that one night just messed up their whole life, you know. So just just a, something to think about. But we're also talking about protecting the citadel of the mind. Then caffeine also. Um, I grew up drinking caffeine. And uh, in the Middle Eastern culture, you it's just something you do. It's like the English, you know, they have afternoon tea time. Uh, we would do the same thing. You just have afternoon tea time. And uh, you just look for reasons to sit and have some tea. So grew up doing that. But then when I learned about this uh, as a child, I actually learned about caffeine and all of this at school, and so my brothers and I decided we're not drinking it anymore. My parents continued to do so until later; they they gave it up as well. So this is like years now. And um, Chad and I were at someone's house visiting, and they it happened to be a Middle Eastern home. And I went to the restroom, and uh, while I was in the restroom, they asked Chad, "Would you like some tea?" And he just thought, oh, like herbal tea or something like that, right? And so when I came back, next thing I see in front of me is this big old uh, cup of, of uh, Middle Eastern tea. It's kind of like the, the English tea that's like really, you've heard like um, their coffee is really black and that kind of thing. The, like the Turkish coffee and things like that. Well, the Middle Eastern tea is very heavy. And they also like, let's say that you have a big cup and like that much of it will be sugar. Could you not? You just like sugar, sugar, sugar. So it tastes really good. (laughs) It tastes really good. But man, it's, it's awful for your heart. So I decided to drink some just to be nice, you know, not to be rude. And I could hardly sit um, my heart started pounding like crazy and I was sitting there and my skin started to crawl and I felt like impending doom completely. I was just like, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? And, and I could hardly have a decent conversation. I was just sitting there like nervous. And I thought, wow, I haven't been, I've been away from this stuff for years and, um, had no clue what it does to you. And so you wonder why a lot of us have such anxiety and and um, you can't sit still, can't have a clear mind. Um, caffeine might be the, the reason, you know. Uh, I've heard person after person who says, like, now I don't, um, one of our close relatives said she would constantly have anxiety attacks. And so she decided to get the caffeine out of her life, and now she's okay, you know. Um, some react, and, you know, some people say, well, that's not me. I don't react like that. Well, praise the Lord, you don't, but some do worse than others. And each of us has our thing that, you know, we react to. But again, these are these are drugs that damage the frontal lobe. Then nicotine. And, you know, I go over these because they seem so simple. Like, yeah, yeah, we know these things destroy the body. But it's always better to know a little deeper how they're doing these things, you know. Uh, nicotine, you realize that in cigarettes, there's far more in cigarettes than just nicotine. Uh, that's how they they keep you addicted they put ammonia in it actually to open up your lungs more so you can take up the the nicotine even more and get more addicted uh it's it's harder and harder for people to let go of it now because of these things it's not just little tobacco leaves in there anymore you know um but nicotine also it it um It works with the caffeine in such a strange way. Do you notice that you, um, if you try to let go of nicotine without letting go of the caffeine, it's hard to. The two drugs work together. It's like you get a high from one and the other one kind of brings you low and, and they work back and forth together like that. And it's just a strange relationship, but you always notice people will do the, the two together. Chad, for example, um, before he became an Adventist, uh, the Lord just put it on his heart to let go of the caffeine, and he had been he'd been uh, tobacco a smoker and, and a chewer because he'd go back and forth. Like if he if he uh, started get his lungs started to hurt, he would uh, quit the smoking and then start chewing. And then uh, when the chewing started to hurt his gums, because um, you don't really get, from what he tells me, you don't get the nicotine high from, from chewing tobacco unless you have fiberglass inside the chewing tobacco to cut your lip, and then you really take it up. Because he tried this stuff without fiberglass, and he says you don't really get anything out of it. But then you, the fiberglass cuts up your lip so that you can take up the nicotine. And so that's what he was doing, but then your teeth start to hurt and your gums start to hurt. And so then he'd go back to the smoking again. And it was just like this yo-yo back and forth. And then he also tried Nicorette gum. And with the Nicorette gum, uh, he said if he had enough money, he would have continued doing that <laughs> because it seems to have the least amount of effects on you in terms of uh, adverse effects. And But then he never really gave up the nicotine habit until... Um, he was on a trip in, in Colorado camping and didn't have any coffee on him the whole week. And he had a headache, 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 headache. And he, they thought, oh, it's altitude sickness or something like that. And then finally one guy said, Hey, do you drink a lot of, uh, coffee and sodas and stuff like that? And he's like, yeah. And he said, he gave him a Folgers singles and he said, drink this. He put it in, drank it, gone, headache, gone, just like that. He said, it hit him. I'm addicted. He had no clue. I mean, he used to drink a lot of coffee and it never hit him that he was addicted to caffeine. And so then he, he, um, he decided, I can't be addicted to this stuff. And so he quit it. Well, then after that, he came to the evangelistic meeting. He's sitting in the meeting and listening to the prophecy meetings and stuff. And then they got to the point where it talked about the body being the temple of the Holy Spirit. And then he realized, it's not just God wanting me. I mean, it's not, just me wanting to quit God wants me to quit and so then it it was much easier for him to quit then and then he quit but it was getting rid of that caffeine because uh, most people that do these types of seminars will tell you if you don't get that give up that caffeine that nicotine will come right back in it's just uh you can go to an AA meeting and all of these work together I kid you I mean you go into a bar and what what do they serve these three things go together If you go to an AA meeting, you won't see the alcohol, but guess what you're going to see a lot of? The caffeine and the nicotine. They've just taken that same addiction and put it somewhere else. Um, You may let go of all three of those things, but if you still eat tons and tons of sugar, you're still putting your addiction somewhere else, right? Does that make sense? And praise the Lord, you're giving up these things, but we need to learn the, the real essence of what overcoming is, right? And, and implement that into our lives. And that's what we're here to do. But like I said, these things are all affecting the frontal lobe. The devil understands this. He understands that if he clouds our minds, um, we, don't, we can't think straight. We can't communicate with him. All right, let's just keep going on. I got off on a tangent there. All right, I'm going to go over this, and this is not to tell people, get off these drugs now or, you know, you're done for, or, you know. I don't want anyone leaving here telling people Fadia said to get off this, that, and the other. This is just an FYI to realize that there's, there's other drugs that are legal that could be um, damaging to the frontal lobe. And this is something you can talk to your doctor about. If you start to implement healthy habits, then talk to him and say, hey, you know, I really want to get off this. Can you help me taper off? Um, how can I do this? So on and so forth. So here are some Of course illicit drugs damage the frontal lobe but here are some other ones that can affect your mind. Asthma, blood pressure, tranquilizers, these are all drugs for you know antidepressants, anti-ulcer, anti-inflammatory, narcotics, antihistamines, and decongestants. Um, You realize that they all have effects on the frontal lobe in particular and like I said these some of these can be taken care of through lifestyle you know but if you're on them please don't go cutting cold turkey and and damaging yourself talk to your doctors get some help and and go from there and um yeah we'll just leave it there but this is really interesting look what the bible says in terms of having a mind that is clear first period 113 wherefore gird up the loins of your mind be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. God wants us to be sober-minded, does he not? He wants our minds to be clear that we may receive his Holy Spirit. If we let go even a little bit of the control of our mind, who has it then? Right? Satan has it. Because we decided, well, I don't really feel like being in control of my mind right now. So he comes in and takes over. And we're giving him that little inch and he'll take a foot and even more. So gird up the loins, like get a grip, right? Get a grip, be sober-minded and um, hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This next slide is really interesting. It's called a PET scan. And what PET scans do is they... um, they tell you the amount of energy that you're using in any particular type of activity. Uh, Like here, we see that uh, seeing words, and this is the the frontal lobe here, and then the occipital here. So that's how all of these are. So that's the frontal lobe, that's occipital. So seeing words, you do in the back of your brain, in the occipital lobe. And that's the amount of energy it takes to see words for your brain, the amount of energy your brain is using. Look how much energy it takes to hear words. So it's harder for you to be listening for, than for me to be talking right now. <laughs> and then look at speaking words. Oh, man, no wonder. Like when you let things out of your mouth, I didn't mean that. I didn't really think about it because it really, when you really mean it when you say, I didn't think about it, because it doesn't take a lot of work to think about the words coming out of your mouth, right? But look what takes a lot of energy. Thinking about words. And where is it happening? The frontal lobe where you think about words. You're not just talking, listening. You're thinking about words. That's where it happens in the frontal lobe. But why I want to show you this. Chad will go into this a little further in another another time. But right now what I want you to think about is the amount of energy it takes to do things. For our mind. Right? It takes a lot of energy. And remember we were talking about one of the frontal lobe killers is lack of nutrition. And you can understand why, because the brain takes a lot of energy just to do little functions of speaking and all this stuff. So it it takes energy. It takes power. So what do you think the frontal lobe desires in terms of energy? Yes, you've guessed it. Complex carbohydrates, right? Complex carbohydrates. Um, I'll just show you. Okay, uh, oh, I changed this, sorry. Have you guys heard this, the whiter the bread? The quicker you're dead, that's right. I, you know, I've been places where nobody knows it. And they just look around and, and they're like, I don't know. And I was like, you never heard it, the whiter the bread, the quicker you're dead. Yeah, so the whiter the bread, the quicker you're dead. Um, white bread is what? What's that? Wonder bread? No, sorry, Oh, okay. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Wonder bread. You wonder what's in it, right? Um, there's not much they've taken. The, all you're getting is the, um, I can't think of it right now. Man, I just had a total, there's the endosperm, the, uh, germ and, and the, what's that? squash that I'll have to look it up for you and tell you afterwards I'm so sorry can't believe it It just totally lost lost the thought there anyway you're not getting much okay bottom line is you're not getting much you're getting all the calories but you're not getting the nutrition and so your body feel your brain tells you that you're satisfied when you get enough nutrition when you don't get enough nutrition your brain hasn't doesn't know that and so the craving continues to be there and so that's why we overeat because we haven't been satisfied nutritionally and so we're just like i'm still hungry i want something else i want something else i haven't been satisfied yet and so then that that's what causes us to overeat because we're not getting remember lack of nutrition actually kills the brain and so it's so important that we eat things as god has put them together right um what god has put together let no man put asunder right (laughs) and that's for something else. right i'm I'm totally taking it out of context which you understand you know god put that grain together in a perfect way and when we eat it whole um, we get the benefits out of it and we don't get the side effects of of um you know not having the brain food we need all right so what does the frontal lobe desire carbohydrates are used almost exclusively by the brain for optimal function, almost exclusively um, the carbohydrates and complex carbohydrates. So you can see that the brain works uh, fast. Uh, The brain itself only holds about two minutes of glucose for itself. Only two minutes can it hold, which means it relies upon the rest of your body and the decisions you make to sustain it, right? So it's so important that we get that so then the next day, for day number three, you're supposed to add whole grains to your diet. Remember the first day was what? Fruits, 100% fruit juices and water. Then the second day we added vegetables. And then the third day we add whole grain breads, okay? And rices and anything that's whole grain, brown rice, that kind of thing. Um, I guess I'll just leave it at that and I'll share with you later about uh the different types of it's really interesting the different types of um, th- i mean the the three things that the grain is made of and what we actually eat of all right hebrews twelve eleven this is a really good promise to have when you 're trying to overcome when you 're trying to change your lifestyle and you're trying to do something that 's different and the your body doesn't like it and your mind doesn't like it right hebrews twelve eleven For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who, what? Have been trained by it. Isn't that powerful? What a beautiful promise God has given us. A lot of times when we're trying to, you know, have a new new way of life or something, we just feel like, oh, this is drudgery. Why do I have to do this? uh, Like, you know, go on and on and on. But, um... It yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness, but we have to be trained by it. So we, we've become very lazy in the mind, haven't we? You know, I don't feel like doing that. It takes too much work to think, so on and so forth. Chad always asks, if we're in a group of young people in a large group, he'll say, um, if you're talking to a young person and you ask them, what do you think about this? What is usually the, the answer they give you? I don't know. That's usually, I don't know. Cause they're really not thinking um if you're bombarded so much with so much stimulation your mind doesn't really think a lot because it takes work doesn't it it takes energy to think and we've just become lazy in our minds um this is really cool we're going to continue on with the nutrition facts this is so neat uh you know time magazine sometimes puts out specials that um on any particular subject, and we saw this one on your brain, a user's guide. Take blueberries. According to Jim Joseph, a neuroscientist with the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Boston, blueberries zap free radicals. Those are highly reactive atoms that can damage tissue. Reverse aging, enhance cognition, and this is the kicker, cause new neurons to grow if you're a rat. Okay, so blueberries cause new neurons to grow. We continue. In one animal study, Joseph developed a series of motor skills tests that he and his associates called the rat Olympics. Rats had to walk balanced beams and stay upright during a log rolling task. Those that had been raised on blueberry rat chow did better than those that hadn't leading Joseph to conclude. Oops, sorry. Leading Joseph to conclude that blueberries were actually able to reverse motor deficits in these aging animals. Isn't that neat? more remarkably than mice well more remarkably when mice that had been genetically altered to express alzheimer's were put on the blueberry diet they did not experience memory loss joseph's work has shown some similar benefits from walnuts which contain alpha-linolenic acid an essential omega-3 fatty acid isn't that cool blueberries how many of us like blueberries how many of us like them more now? <laughs> it's so good to uh, learn about your food because when you're eating it, it actually makes you feel better about what you're eating and it excites you to eat it. And so it's even more beneficial to you um, based on the placebo effect, I guess, huh? That it just excites you. Like, you know it's good for you and so it makes you feel better and it is better for you. But isn't that neat? It, they were given the Alzheimer. that means the ones that weren't eating the blueberry rat chow, uh, we're getting memory loss. And these that had the blueberry rat chow did not get the memory loss. And then also about the um, alpha, alpha-linolenic acid and then the omega-3 fatty acid is really good for the brain also. You know, you hear that, you know, if you're depressed and stuff, you should take omega-3 fatty acids. This is why. Think about, okay, just this wire right here, okay, this cable. What's inside it? Other cables, right? and um, this one's a little different but let's say it's electrical just like the lights and inside it is running electricity and as the current is going through uh, this black cable is actually insulating it it's helping the 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 um, impulse go through without running all over the place right the impulse is going through well that's like the omega-3 fatty acids around your neurons, your brain cells. They help insulate the, the myelin sheath actually goes around those. And so the synapses, as you're going, the impulse is going through and it has to go from area to area. It's, it's better. It's a better, uh, um, impulse that goes through because it's encased. It's, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's insulated. Thank you. So it's insulated better. Does that make sense? So best way to think of omega-3 fatty acids, they insulate my brain neurons, my, you know, my uh, brain nerve cells so that I can have better impulses, which I wasn't right then. (laughs) All right. So does that make sense? So it'll encourage us to eat better when we understand our foods. So walnuts, um, flax seeds, different kinds of things have omega-3 fatty acids in them it's a little harder to talk about this stuff after lunch i understand because some people are looking kind of sleepy all right this book seven weeks of sobriety was written by a mother who's a doctor but lost her son to um alcohol alcoholism i should say and uh she continued to study it out even after he died so it's a little sad, but it's interesting, the things that she figured out. And here, here's uh, something that she said. A number of studies have shown that rats can be transformed from tea toddlers that's one who abstains from alcohol, into alcoholics by taking the B vitamins out of their diets. Their preference for alcohol gradually disappears as the vitamins are restored. When vitamin levels return to normal, the rats refuse alcohol and drink only water. Isn't that interesting? Does that make sense? So remove the B vitamins and what do you think you're going to start craving? Alcohol. Put the B vitamins back in. You don't want to crave alcohol. You just want the water. And so it makes sense. Um, People who crave things are deficient. Remember, lack of nutrition. You start craving things. Your brain tells you, you want this, you want that. Have you heard of pica? Pica is a disorder that if you're losing certain, if you're missing certain types of nutrients, you start craving the strangest things. And usually it happens to women that are pregnant. They'll actually do the laundry and want to eat the laundry detergent. They'll just crave it so bad because there's something they smell in there that their body is needing. Or they'll see some bird poop and want to eat the bird (laughs) poop. You know, like just strange things. But we, we laugh at that, but it's a reality in a lot of our lives. Why do we crave stuff? You know, just this overwhelming is because we're lacking nutrition. And, and you can see this in the B vitamins. These rats, you know, became alcoholics, and they weren't alcoholics based on that. So in her program, this lady, she really increased the B vitamins. And we do the same thing. We ask people, you know, increase your B vitamins during the time that you're trying to overcome. It goes on. No matter what you eat, if you want to maintain a sharp memory, you should strive for a diet that keeps your belly fat down. A study of more than 6,500 people published in the journal Neurology showed that people who were overweight and had a large belly were 2.3 times as likely to develop dementia as those with normal weight and belly size, while those who were obese and had a large belly were 3.6 times as likely to have dementia. So... Good thing to to um, encourage us to keep the belly fat down. Okay, this is also, I mean, all of these are very interesting. You'll, you'll see. Why we eat too much and how to get control. Missing out on your Zs not only puts you in a mental fog, it also triggers a constellation of actual metabolic changes that may lead to weight gain. A lack of shut eye harms your waistline because it affects two important, hormones that control appetite and satiety, Um, leptin and ghrelin, says Christine Knutson, PhD, a research associate specializing in sleep and health at the University of Chicago's Department of Medicine at health.com. This is what it said. This is what they came out with. According to a study published in the Annals of Internal Medicine, people who slept four hours a night for two nights had an 18% decrease in what leptin, a hormone that signals that the brain, wait, signals the brain that the body has had enough to eat. Okay, so what was decrease? the decrease? The, the hormone that tells you you've had enough to eat, right? And a 28% increase in ghrelin, a hormone that triggers hunger compared with those who got more rest. So do you see what, what's going on here? The, because you had a lack of sleep, your hormone leptin decreases, which tells you you're satisfied, but you just keep eating because it's decreased. And then the hormone that um, triggers hunger, oh, I'm hungry, increases when you lose sleep. So we wonder, why do we, why do we get so, uh, you know, craving things? So let's just keep going. The results, sleep-deprived study volunteers reported a 24% boost in appetite short sleep can also impair glucose metabolism and over time set the stage for type 2 diabetes knits notes when we're exhausted we hunger for just about everything in sight especially if it's sugary or high in carbs isn't that interesting when you stay up late do you ever feel like having a salad no right it's usually pizza and ice cream and chips and things like that right when you stay up late you know saturday night Yeah, People stay up late and they always want sugary, high-carb foods. Isn't it interesting? So you realize a lot of cravings come from lack of nutrition and lack of good health habits, right? So if you're not getting enough sleep, start thinking about, you know, why did I feel like eating that? Maybe because you hadn't had enough sleep, right? Why did I just, you know, whatever it is, you know, when you start thinking about what you do, the things... It could be cause because you're not getting enough, whatever it is, exercise, sleep, water, so on and so forth. So you see the way it starts to work where you start analyzing and realizing like, wow, that's how come the body does this? That's how come I, I crave these crazy things. So it's just interesting things. All right, next one here. It says sleep more, lose weight, S- says study. Are you trying your best to eat right and exercise but still not losing weight? One study suggests a lack of sleep could throw off a diet. So that's a research study from University of Chicago showed that dieters who slept 8.5 hours lost 55% more body fat than dieters who slept 5.5 hours. Interesting, isn't it? So just wanted to share these things with you. And Chad will come up and share some more about um, cravings and such.
0: All right, now this is a true story. A little boy uh, was eating a lot of salt, insane amounts of salt, and his parents caught him. Uh, he would just he would lick all the salt off the crackers. He was just eating insane amounts of salt. So finally, one day they came into the kitchen, and he was literally taking his salt shaker and just dumping it like, in his mouth, just dumping it and dumping it. So they finally brought him to the hospital out of fear. What on earth is going on with him? They brought him to the hospital. The hospital took him off all his salt, and he died. He died what it was is that the doctors did not realize is that his adrenal glands had shut down and as a result of the shutting down of the adrenal glands they somehow regulate salt in the body and so when the adrenal glands are shut down you need insane amounts of salt because it's not being regulated adequately. They did scientific studies on rats, on little creatures and they shut down the adrenal glands on them and what do you think the rats craved? Salt, right? So they started eating, the rats started eating like you know just intense amount of salt. But then what they did is they added into the, you could have salt or you could have some uh, refined sugar. And so once the rats started eating the refined sugar, the brain's capacity to tell what it was, should be craving shut down and the rats would stop eating the salt once it started eating the refined sugar and it would die. Now, I find it very interesting that Now, think about this, and Fadi kind of brought it up a little bit, but if you, if you, for instance, if you eat something very sugary, you eat something very sugary, do you then think, man, I could just go for some lettuce? Yes or no? Nobody after eating like a brownie or like a cookie thinks, man, I could just go for some lettuce, right? Or, I mean, at least your average person does not. What happens is that when you're eating sugary things, you don't generally crave that which is good for you. That's like myself. I eat junk food all my life. I mean, until I was 19 years old, just junk food, junk food, junk food. And as a result, did I ever crave healthy food? No, I could just stuff junk food in my mouth all the time. And what happens is, is that could it be that if we were actually eating the healthy things that we should be eating, that our brains would start to crave that which is good for them, what they actually should be desiring. And so I would just encourage you, the more you stick to the good food, you're actually going to, you're going to desire to have more good things. Sugar and mental illness, a surprising link. Noted British psychiatric uh, researcher, Malcolm Peet, has conducted a provocative cross-cultural analysis of the relationship between diet and mental illness. His primary finding may surprise you, a strong link between high sugar consumption and the risk of both depression and schizophrenia. Many times when people struggle with depression, what goes along with, you know, somebody's depressed, a lot of times what do they want to eat? just some sugary food, right? I'm depressed, I want to eat some sugar, right? But the two together actually can compound the problem, or at least you're depressed maybe partly because of the sugar, both depression and schizophrenia. So large amounts of sugar and obviously there's a distinction between refined sugar and the natural sugars that you get in fruits and vegetables and all these kinds of things, that's different. But We're talking about this refined sugar. Now we're going to talk about some very quick tips for depression. One, Exercise. Consider the effects of exercise. Even a moderate physical activity like a brisk walking three times a week has been shown, this is awesome, has been shown in two landmark studies to fight depression as effectively as Zoloft, meaning going for a walk three times a week is as beneficial as taking the drugs that they prescribe to you. Is that not fascinating? Going for a walk three times a week. And so, simply put, exercise changes the brain. It enhances the function of dopamine-based circuits that mediate our experience of pleasure along with our ability to initiate activity. Meaning, it is so amazingly important. If you're depressed, even though you're depressed, go for a walk anyway. Go get some exercise anyway, even though you don't feel like it, right? It's not about what you feel, it's what about what you need and so you make an effort, a determined effort to just get out and get some exercise. You'll fight it just as much as Zoloft will. Next one, omega-3 fatty acid. Neurological function is also critically affected by diet. For example, uh, excuse me, for example a deficiency of omega-3 fatty acids, key building blocks of our brain tissue, Fadi talked about that, has been strongly linked to depressive illnesses. In part because omega-3 fats facilitate the brain's use of feel-good neurochemicals such as serotonin and dopamine. Omega-3s also serve as raw material for the body's construction of anti- Inflammatory hormones, which help calm the cerebr- cerebral inflammation that often characterizes depression. So, get your omega 3, eat your walnuts, uh, get your whole grain breads, your flax seeds. You can grind it up and put it on your cereal or whatever. But doing these things regularly is so good for the brain, especially if you struggle with depression. But either way, it's good for you. Light therapy. This is important. I, I, we might have shared with you, I think we did, that we lived in Iceland. And in Iceland, uh, you don't get sun for you know, many months of the winter, at least. You get so very little that it's almost ineffective, and it's difficult. But bright light therapy is important. Bright light exposure represents yet another proven strategy for altering brain chemistry specialized light receptors in the retina connect to circuits deep in the brain that regulate circadian rhythm and sunlight which is over a hundred times brighter than typical indoor lighting is the prime stimulator of the eyes photoreceptors. It triggers a cascade of neurochemical reactions that help keep the body clock in sync. It goes on to say, on the other hand prolonged sunlight deprivation leads to depressive disruptions in biolog- biological rhythms that govern sleep, appetite, energy, and mood. Fortunately, regularly, regular bright light exposure either via sunlight or specially designed light boxes can restore healthy circadian function to the brain. Over a dozen published studies support its efficacy in the treatment of depression. So some very simple things. It's just getting back to working with our bodies the way God intended our bodies to work. Getting enough exercise, getting the right nutrition, getting out in the sunlight. God made us to be in these situations, but because of our modern world, we've gotten away from it just because of our jobs and various other reasons why we don't spend adequate time with the right nutrition and outdoors and so forth. But it's very important to give these things a try. Now, talking about the brain scans, this is so very important. Uh, We're going to talk more about it as we go on. But the one I want you to notice is that the frontal lobe, one of the key things, I mean, there's several things that light up the frontal lobe, but one key thing is thinking about words. Now, I want you to think about that. God said He's going to write His law in our minds, in in our hearts. He said that He's going to give us the name of the Father in our foreheads, right? And one of the things that that works on our frontal lobe is the thinking about words. So if you think about it, God has given something to us. He has given something to us that will literally, physically change your frontal lobe. And that is, what do you think? His Word. His Word is specifically designed to transform your brain. Literally, not just kind of in some spiritual, mythological way, but literally, it physically changes who you are and will you're dwelling. Because think about it, no, no other book on, on, on earth is like the Bible. Okay, for instance, let's say you're into biology. So you can read, you read your biology 101 textbook, now at best from reading that textbook, at best if possible, you might be able to get the knowledge of the people who, or the man who wrote that book, and you can acquire his knowledge. And then you have the higher level class, and then you have your, you know, top classes, and then you read the deepest books on the subject, and at best from those books you can get the information from the author that wrote that book. But think about it, we have a book by the infinite God, the all-knowing, omnipotent, omniscient God who knows everything, and as a result of knowing everything, He's given us a book, so when you're reading His book, guess what book can change your mind more than any other book on the planet? The Word of God. And as you're dwelling on that book, it is changing your brain literally, it's totally transforming you. Now... Check this out, this is powerful. Uh, When you're writing it's kind of hard to see on my screen of the computer this is actually more orange than black but this, these areas, these darker areas which were orange we'll call them black for now those are the areas of the brain that are lighting up when you are writing. So you can see some of the frontal lobe is being lit up, uh, some of the uh, sides of your brain uh, toward the occipital there in the back probably from the writing and seeing what you're doing, but then when you're silently reading uh, a good amount of the brain is also lit up during silent reading when you read out loud it's hard to tell but there's a ton it's a good workout for the brain to read out loud it is literally a good workout for the brain including the frontal lobe to be reading out loud when you're solving difficult math problems for some reason not very much of the brain is working I don't know why that is if you gotta solve difficult math problems you gotta do it but for some reason it doesn't doesn't cause a big workout to the brain I don't know why but then when you are solving simple math problems quickly the brain is literally on fire, not literally, but you know it's, all, it's like, it's a, it, for some reason you can actually buy books where they have simple mathematical problems like uh, 6 minus 2, 4 times 3, 12 minus 3 and boom you, you know doing those things fast for some reason it is a workout for the human brain from the frontal lobe, to the occipital lobe, everything in between is just firing when you're solving math problems quickly. Now I'm actually going to show you a picture of what happens in the brain when you are watching television. But I'm not going to show you that now we're going to show you that on another one of the messages but now this is what we're told the Bible just as it reads is to be our guide. And nothing is so calculated to enlarge the mind and strengthen the intellect as the study of the Bible. Do you believe that? You say, well, how could that be? We have all these giant minds on the earth and they write all these books, but nothing is so calculated to enlarge the mind and strengthen the intellect as the study of the Bible because nothing is bringing you into contact with the infinite. And no man has an infinite mind Yet God has given us a book from Him, from His Holy Spirit, who is the source of all knowledge. He has given us this book to transform our lives and our brains. Proverbs 23, verse 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. The issue is the heart. What are you thinking? What is going on in your mind that is going to affect every other aspect of your life? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You have to make a decision. What will you allow to pass through your brain? What are you going to allow to take place in your mind? Are you going to let anything, all the natural thoughts of the man, the Bible calls it the carnal heart, will you let the thoughts of the carnal heart rule your mind by nature? Or will you choose to allow God to transform your nature, to give you a new heart and a new mind that you will be totally transformed from the inside by the loving character of God? We're going to to talk later about scientific studies about literally what happens to the brain when someone beholds and thinks about a loving God. Powerful stuff. Isaiah 26, 3 and 4, I already quoted it, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusts in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. So God keeps us in peace when our mind is stayed on him. Not choosing or allowing our mind to just go the natural way, but to choosing to turn our mind away from the things of this world, to turn them to God and his love, we are totally transformed by that process. And as we've already said, what is the promise we claim? I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And we're going to finish with this quote. This is... Uh, um, anybody ever heard of... What's the guy? Named? Joe Cruz. Anybody ever heard of Joe Cruz? An old, old preacher from way back. He, uh, he's dead now. But uh, Joe Cruz, um, he, was, he tells the story of how he was on a plane. And while he was on this particular plane, it was back in the days when you, can, what you could smoke on a plane. Can you imagine... I mean, I can't even imagine that. They used to let people smoke on planes. You're like in a little tin can, and there's people smoking next to you, right? But you used to be able to do that. You can't do it anymore. They always have the little sign up there, no smoking, always. It never turns off anymore. But it used to turn off. You'd sit on the plane. So Joe's sitting next to this guy, and the guy's just staring up there at that no smoking sign. And the moment that no smoking sign turned off, you know, the guy pulls out his cigarettes and lights up a cigarette. And finally Joe turns to the guy next to him, and he says, hey, did you ever think about quitting? And the guy said, oh, I'd love to quit. I'd love to quit smoking. And so Joe says to the guy, he says, you know, uh, I put on seminars about stopping smoking. The guy's like, really, could you help me? And he said, yeah, I could. And so then Joe said, do you, do you want to be help the guy? Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, you know, I'd do anything to quit. I'd do anything to quit. And so then Joe grabs his Bible and he's pulling his Bible out and the guy says, oh, no, not that. He said, I tried that and it didn't work. And so Joe looked at the guy, he said, okay, okay. Well, he said, do you mind if I share something with you from the Bible? And so Joe turns to the Bible, he turns to 1 Corinthians 15, 57, and 58. Powerful verses for claiming, you know, in times of trial. Uh, But the verses simply say this, they say, but thanks be, so he reads these verses, but thanks be to God, which gives us the victory." "...but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord." So the text says God has given you the victory. And so then, you know, this, this fellow who, who Joe was talking to was a Baptist, and he said to the fellow, he said, you know, uh, has God given you the victory? He said, the text says God's given you the victory. Has God given you the victory? And the guy said, no. And Joe said, well, I guess God lied to you then, didn't he? And J- this guy being a good Baptist, could he believe that God lies? He couldn't believe that. He said, no way, God can't lie. And then Joe asked him a simple question, which is profound. He said, did you believe, did you believe last time you tried to quit smoking that God gave you the victory? Did you believe that? And the man said, no, I didn't. And I don't know about you, but have you ever, I have, where I, I want to c- overcome something, and while I'm praying, I'm like, oh, Father, I, I stumbled again. Please help me. Forgive me. Help me to stop doing this. And in the back of my mind, I feel like I'm going to go do it again in like 20 minutes. Have you ever felt that way? Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the only one in the world who feels that way. Like you're praying, you're just like, ah, you just feel so beat. You feel so whooped. You feel like, no way. Like, I'm just going to mess up again in no time, right? And now, is that faith, yes or no? I've done it. I've done it. I'm being honest with you. And that is not faith, right? It says that thanks be to God, which is what? given us the victory. He's given me the victory. We, I, I quoted uh, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 2 earlier that talks about the fact that the gospel was preached unto them, to the Jews, as well, unto, as, well as unto us, but the word preached unto them did not profit them. Why? Because it was not mixed with faith. So listen, you can have the Bible, you can even have the text memorized, you can even you know, know these things, but if we are not believing, if, we, if the Word of God is not mixed for you with faith, your personal faith in that Word, it has no power. It has no power for you. And so the next time we go to God and say, Father... Please help me with this. You know I've been struggling with this. What can we say? We can say, Father, I don't feel like you're giving me victory, but I know for a fact that you're giving me victory because you said it and I trust your word more than what I feel. God is calling us to believe that he literally has divine power to give us the victory. God wants to give you the victory. He wants to give me the victory. He wants to change us from the inside. We're not talking about just changing our, you know, I I, I do these bad things, I don't want to do bad things. We want to be changed on the inside. We want to be totally transformed, thoroughly through and through, that we have a new heart and a new mind in Christ Jesus. God wants to give us the victory. And the question is, he says, do you believe it? Do you believe that I have given you the victory? And if you believe it in faith, you can walk forward in the victory. Now we know, yes, we know. We know that the Bible says, you know, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. But at the same time, it says, you know, these things have I written unto you that you sin not, right? I've written unto you that you said not. And we, we know even if we do stumble, we do have that advocate. But the reality is we can trust in the Father. We can trust that His word is true. His promise is true for me. And will we press forward? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are the God of victory. We recognize the Hebrews were brought into dire straits, into situations where there's a mountain on one side, a mountain on the other side, and a great, well, we could call it the great, a great sea before them. And behind them was an enemy seeking their death. And to all human thought, it was hopeless for them. But you had called them forward, and when you call us forward, you bring about the victory. If we trust in you and we take that step forward, you will open up the sea before us. You will break down the barriers that you will cast mountains in the depth of the sea if we have faith as the grain of a mustard seed, even to say, Father, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. We thank you that you are the one who has given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. But then you say, be steadfast, stand firm, immovable, always abounding in your work. For as much as we know that our labor is not in vain in the Lord, we have to press forward and we thank you for the calling you have upon us. May we be victorious in the name of Jesus. Amen.